You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, Leonardo da Vinci was a certified genius. Uh, He invented the helicopter hundreds of years before a helicopter was actually invented. Uh, And he uh, he went forward with the field of anatomy in ways that had never been done before. Uh, And he was an artist that some say has never been surpassed. His works are still famous throughout the world. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci was a certified genius, but he was wrong at least about one thing. That is, it's not working. (laughs) Uh, We'll have the next slide. This is not the Last Supper. It's not the Last Supper. At least in the Gospel of Luke, at best, it's the second to last supper. Because there was another supper in Luke, and as we've gone through the meals of Jesus, we've seen that all of the suppers are significant. All of the suppers, all of the meals have challenged us in different ways, but the actual Last Supper is the one we saw in our reading today, that Jesus ate with his disciples, and it's the most important one. This meal with Jesus, this Last Supper, is actually the most important one because without it, we would not be sitting here this morning. It's the most important one because it was the one that announced news that would transform the world. It was the most unexpected one because it's the one that happened after the death of Jesus. After the time when in all normal circumstances you would not be able to have a meal with Jesus. But he appears. And as he appears, he opens their eyes, he opens their minds, and he opens their mouths. So firstly, he opens their eyes. He comes, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. They weren't expecting to see Jesus alive. They'd all seen him actually die and actually go into the tomb. They were not expecting him to be alive. They'd heard stories, wild stories, that perhaps you know the tomb was empty and, and some people said they'd seen him, but they... They weren't expecting him. The doors were locked. They were fearful. And then suddenly he appears. And they were as shocked and surprised and terrified as you would have been. Or you would be if you saw someone who had died and suddenly there before you. And the most logical thing in their minds was, well, it certainly looks like Jesus. But it can't be. It must be a a ghost. Well, Jesus says, I'll, I'll just give you the nod and you can do the next slide. Jesus says, he says, so then why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. See that it's I myself. Touch me and see me for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. He's saying, 
Even if you are scientific materialists, I will give you all the evidence you like. You can touch me, you can smell me, you can see me. I'm really, really here. The, the wounds that you saw, you saw the nails driven in there. Look, it's really me. I, I have the wounds. While I was writing this sermon, I, I wrote a sentence I wrote in, Jesus is alive. And for some reason, the Word document that I was working on, it highlighted alive. And so I clicked on the highlighter, and this is what, this is what came up, if we can have the next slide. Jesus is alive. Can you, can you see that? My computer says, double check if this is correct. Double check if this is correct. My computer itself has trouble with Jesus being alive at this point. Double check if this is correct. Well, Jesus says, look, if you want to double check that this is correct, give me some broiled fish. Uh, we'll have the next slide. Some broiled fish here. While, their joy, while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus goes to extraordinary lengths to convince them that he's, he's not just kind of alive in a spiritual sense, but that he is physically, blood and bone, alive and before them. Now why is that important? Why is it important that Jesus is alive? Blood and bone. Uh, because, I don't know, we, we probably would have been satisfied with, yes, he's spiritually alive and he's doing things in the world and all of those kind of things, but, but blood and blind, physical, why? Why is he so keen to convince them that that's the case? Well, the physical resurrection of Jesus is utterly vital uh, for at least two reasons. Uh, the first is that if he is not physically blood and bone alive, then death is all that we have to look forward to. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes uh, about this in 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, if we can have that on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15. Well, you've got to go back uh, a couple. There we go. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus didn't physically blood and bone rise, then we're still in our sins and death is all there is. Now, to understand Paul's argument here, you have to go back a little bit into the background. Why is that the case? Well, we know from Genesis chapter 13, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 3, that the reason why death is in the world at all is because we rebelled against God. We said, I do not want to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I will not love my neighbor as my, myself. I want to live with me at the centre of my world. We've said no to God, and because of that, there's a judgment that's come into the world, and that judgment is death. And so, if Jesus died on the cross, 
and that judgment of death has actually been taken by Jesus, then that should fundamentally affect the nature of the fallen world. If the punishment has been taken by Jesus, then death has to be undone. It's, it's been, it's been uh, taken upon the cross. And if sins have really been forgiven, then death is undone. And so the only way you can know that sins have actually been forgiven if you, is if you see that death is being undone. Do you understand that? Jesus being alive, body and blown, flesh and blood, says that sin has been dealt with. And so death is done. But the other reason uh, is because God is not actually finished with physicality. God's not done with materiality. God created the world uh, flesh and blood and bone and and things we can touch and feel, and he said it was really, really good. Do you know heaven in the Bible, it's never described as a kind of spiritual realm, a disembodied kind of realm. That's, uh, that's a Greek thought. It's actually uh, the common understanding of that most Australians probably have of heaven, but it's never described like that in the Bible. The Bible talks about heaven being a resurrected flesh and blood, physical world, new creation that God is bringing all things to. God isn't done with our bodies. I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your body. Maybe you look at it and you, and you think, oh, it's not the way I would, I would like it to be. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe uh, your body for you is a site of actual pain. Or perhaps you've got a little bit older and you just feel the limitations of your body and you can remember what it used to be like. Like even, I'm 46, uh, I've got a sore hip. Even I'm feeling like my body's not the greatest place to be. But God made your bodies and he made them good and he made you beautiful. And God isn't just going to screw it up and chuck it away. Our bodies are an integral part of who we are, our identity. It's us. And so what God's doing, his whole plan, is to renew. See, Jesus' body is a, it's a resurrection body. It's imperishable. It's unpained. It's powerful. It's the way bodies are meant to be. It's the way our bodies are meant to be. The Bible talks about his resurrection as the first fruits of a harvest. And so when you pick the first fruit of a harvest and you taste it, it gives you an indication of what the rest of the harvest is going to be like. Jesus' resurrection body is the taste of what our resurrection bodies are going to be like. Glorious and powerful and totally renewed. That's what God's doing in the world. It's so much more and so much better than the idea of kind of going off to a spiritual and ethereal place, sitting on a cloud. No, it's a physical, real, experiential, perfected world that God's calling us to. A new creation. 
And so if that's the case, then that new creation is breaking out into the world through Jesus' resurrection. And if that's the case, then he, he is the first fruits. He, he has to be physical because we're all going to be. That's what God's doing. It's a new creation. Well, it's important because it proves that sin has been dealt with and death defeated. It's important because God's plans for this world are physical. And as Jesus came, he opened their eyes to that. But he also opened their minds. How did he open their minds? Well, he opened their minds by opening their Bibles. So we'll have the next slide. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. I've met so many Christians who have said to me, I don't really like the Old Testament. Uh, I kind of like the New Testament because that's all about grace. The Old Testament's all about law. I like the New Testament because it's all about love and the Old Testament seems to be all about wrath. I like the New Testament because actually there's a nice God in the New Testament and it seems to be there's a horrible God in the Old Testament. And while you may not think that so boldly as, as that, I wonder if kind of subconsciously people can tend to head towards the New Testament because, and away from the Old Testament. And, you know, on one level, that's, that's great because it's got Jesus in it and it's wonderful. But did you know the Old Testament has the gospel? Uh, did you know the Old Testament's actually all about Jesus? Uh, Jesus is in the Old Testament and it's wonderful. Uh, Jesus, uh, just before this passage, goes along the Emmaus Road and I think he would have taken the entire trip to take the two disciples who he appeared to through all of the Old Testament. And I really would have... I wish they'd written it down. That Bible study would have been amazing. But it's all through the Old Testament. So Genesis 3, in the garden, right at the beginning... God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, that is a long-awaited one, who will set things right and reverse the curse, he will strike your head, he'll have victory over Satan, and you will strike his heel. In that victory, he'll be struck down. Does that seem familiar at all? It's talking about the cross. Psalm 22, they've pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. It's a clear prediction of the cross, isn't it? Uh, Isaiah 52 and 53 are some of the most amazing words I think ever written in history because they go into such integral detail about Jesus' death and his burial. In the Old Testament, 700 years before, Isaiah 52 and 53... Psalm 16, verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. It's a resurrection promise. Uh, You might remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. God says to Abraham, 
sacrifice your firstborn son. It's a fascinating story, a really interesting story. But he, he trusts God, uh, perhaps he trusts that God can raise him from the dead. He takes Isaac up onto the hill, he's just about to kill him and the angel says, stop, don't do it. And God provides the ram in his place. And of course ultimately provides his own firstborn son. It's a death and resurrection promise. In Hebrews it's talked about in those terms that Isaac was given, raised back to life in that story. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel's in the valley of dry bones and God physically resurrects all these, old, these bones and says it's a great picture, it's a wonderful picture of what I'm going to do for the whole of Israel, for all of my people. It's a resurrection promise. In fact, you can go to almost anywhere in the Old Testament and you'll be able to find Jesus there. In fact, the whole shape of the Old Testament, it is, uh, it is slavery and exodus. It is exile, it is return. It is death, it's resurrection. It's God's promise for a whole new life. All the way through the Old Testament. You know, it's not particularly new uh, that people have thought, ah, the Old Testament, I don't think I'll I'll bother with that. One of the earliest heteresies in church history was by a guy called Marcion. He was in the uh, late first century, so really, really early on. And he decided he didn't like all the Old Testament stuff and he didn't like any of the bits of the Bible that talked about God's judgment, so he got rid of them as well. And uh, what he ended up with was a very abbreviated version of Luke and some of Paul's letters, but not all of the letters, as it were, excised and edited parts of Paul's letters. Do you know if you take out the Old Testament and then you take about all the references to the Old Testament that's in the New Testament, you have hardly anything left. There's hardly anything there. God had told his plan for the renewed creation in the pages of the Old Testament down through the centuries and he did it publicly. And Jesus had told the disciples Uh, that he was going to die and rise again and he did it clearly before the event and he did it, it says in, in John he did it so that when it happened you would be able to believe it's in the Old Testament it's all the way through brothers and sisters you need to read your Old Testaments and sometimes it can be a little bit hard to know where to start with the Old Testament uh, can, I, can I say, just start today reading Isaiah 52 and 53. Isaiah 52 and 53, read it through, have in the mind what happened on the cross. You might even want to read the, the events of the cross in Luke 22 and 23 first and then read Isaiah 52 and 53 and if you've never read that, it will blow your mind. Have a look. But then... We're going to be doing some uh, sermon series from the Old Testament a little bit later on and uh, I can't wait to take you through some of the amazing things that are there. Read the Old Testament. Uh, maybe start in some of the, the narratives that can, be, that can be helpful. But open your Bibles and read. Because as you open your Bibles, your mind will be opened. 
to all the amazing things that God has promised and he has done. Jesus came. He appeared. He opened their eyes. He opened their minds. And last of all, he opened their mouths. So next slide. He said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. One of the main reasons that Jesus appeared to them that night was so that not only they could know and they could have the joy of knowing their friend and saviour alive, but so that the world could know that he is alive. And so Jesus commissions them. And what is their mission? What do they have to do? It is to proclaim that the Messiah did suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and therefore repentance and forgiveness of sins is possible. The resurrection of Jesus is not about, just about his new life, it's about our new life. It means that we can be forgiven. All the dark and all the wrong and all the hurts and all the pains and all the things that I've done and all the shame that you might carry has been dealt with. It's been taken away and a new heart and a new life is born as you trust in him, as you believe in him, as you follow him. And if that's true... then it's a matter of life and death that the world knows that he's alive. It's utterly vital. It's vital that we know it personally, but it's utterly vital that the rest of the world knows it too because the rest of the world needs forgiveness and the rest of the world needs to know that there is life that is eternal and that death is not the dark full stop of life. That there is an eternal hope that is ours and can be theirs. If they would come to him, repent, that is, say sorry, turn your life around back towards God, towards loving him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and loving each other, our neighbours as ourselves. Because forgiveness is in Jesus, is death and resurrection. He opened their eyes, he opened uh, their minds, he opened their mouths and our mouths need to be opened. That's the mission of our church to glorify God, to grow to maturity in Christ, to go and tell the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's, let's do that all the more. Would you tell? You might sit there and think, I don't know how to say, I don't know how to talk. Well, neither did the first followers of Jesus. And that's why Jesus then said this, And see, I'm sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power on, from on high. They needed the Holy Spirit of God, God's Spirit to come. And I tell you, if you believe in and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, and if you're worried about telling other people about Jesus and his resurrection, try this. Pray before you go and ask that God's Spirit will give you the words to say and it doesn't just happen automatically. You do actually have to have the courage to open your mouth and start talking. But you'll be amazed at how God brings the words and God uses those words powerfully in the lives of people who hear.
test it out. Because we have God's Spirit. We have the life that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ and His resurrection. We have the Old Testament and the Scriptures that tell us all of Him and God's marvellous plan. Brothers and sisters, go and tell the Gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.